0: Hi, this is Janesh. And this is Pranab. You tune in to the 30 Minute Hustle podcast.
1: 30 Minute Hustle is a community of performers with a story to tell. We believe that each individual has a distinct path towards achieving their goals and are obsessed to learn about their process.
0: As a platform to bridge the gap between knowledge creators and seekers, We hope your journey will inspire to accelerate your growth. Welcome to the network of knowledge, mindset and practice. Today we have Shruti with us on the 30-minute hustle podcast. Shruti and I go way back in discussing platform ecosystem and design thinking and its real-time application. She was the only Asian to be selected for an innovation lab at Bosch Germany. We're super excited to have her here and we hope you enjoy the conversation as much as we did hosting her.
1: Hey, Shuti. Hi Jenny, hi. hi, Pranav. And uh, I think I'm just going to like give a introduction about Shuti. I I can't like cover everything that you've done. But I'm just going to try and. So Shruti is basically, uh, did her bachelor's in journalism and psychology. You can correct me if I'm wrong. And then you went on to do a platform development at Symbiosis. And then you did executive management at IAM. And now you're doing electrification at Bosch.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty
0: cool. And that's interesting. So. Tell me more about yourself, Prithi, from your own words.
2: Yeah, so um, Janesh got a lot of it right, (laughs) most of it right. Uh, So I did my uh, undergrad in journalism, psychology and English. So it was a triple major. And after that, I did a regular MBA. I did a regular MBA at Symbiosis and then I've been working with Bosch and um, i also did an executive program on platform business so my current role at bosch is with platform business models where i work on the electric vehicle segment looking at how to develop the ecosystem entirely for the ev space yeah
0: interesting so uh, can you explain to our audience what is platform uh, what is creation of platform and what is platform business so that,
1: you know, I mean yeah. I think I think yeah. that was the question that I really had when I was going through with I mean, what what you've been doing was a lot of like platform design. Did was it or do you call it platform design? Is am I right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you can call it platform design or platform business model shaping. So what it essentially means is that um, so, for instance, all of our business, most of it till date has been that you say buy a product or you sell a product. So it's been a unidirectional flow of say value. So somebody is by making a product and you're consuming the product as an end consumer. But uh, what platform business model does is it focuses on creating an ecosystem where it simply connects a buyer to a seller in some regard. So if you see your famous companies for the last say 10 years have all been platform companies, for instance, say Amazon, Apple, all of these are platform companies in its essential sense that they are not really selling a product or service, but they are merely connecting different value creators or value providers. Yeah.
1: Why? I mean, Would, would, would you, I'm sorry if I'm interjecting, but would you say it's similar to being an aggregator or, or is platform different from that?
2: Yeah. And why,
1: why do you think platform has become platform based businesses have become so big in the past like 10 years? What is the key reason?
2: Yeah, so I would say the key reason is obviously digitalization that would be the forefront of enabling an ecosystem sort of model because there is so much the gap between a buyer and a consumer has reduced so much right over time because you're so accessible as an individual, as an entity, as an organization, or even as communities, you've become so accessible. So when that happens, essentially the distance between a buyer and a seller reduces and thereby um the interactions can be made even better so even though the distance has reduced the action itself is extremely fragmented it's not as they um uh, clean as it could be and therefore you need a platform in order to enable these transactions and because there are like millions of transactions that can be enabled on a digital platform you need somebody who acts as a um, shaper for all of this so how it is say, different from an aggregator in its senses, that essentially, yeah, platform companies could be aggregators. So, they will act as simply a a middle person between, say, different entities. But in addition to an aggregator, what a platform provides is also um, data knowledge. So, that is something an aggregator won't provide. So, for instance, say, if you take the logistic segment, for instance. There can be somebody who's just merely accumulating vehicles and giving it off to somebody else as like a service. But a platform will do way beyond that in the sense it will tell you how to use your vehicle correctly, how to, say, maximize your utilization, how to, say, even package your goods properly in order to ensure that maybe your cost economics works better. So in that regard, a platform also has that knowledge database which maybe an aggregator does not have.
0: Interesting. Really so, so and I, and I would really like to get an insight yeah, over here ahead, that you also believe uh, ecosystem and platform is similar. And I also think, you know, if we could uh, set in an example saying civilization was built on a platform model. And for example, how cities get developed, for example, San Francisco yeah. itself, it attracts the right amount of talent, uh, you know, for it to be a Silicon Valley uh, ecosystem. And the same has been in Bangalore as well. So. What's, what's your insights on that? Is it is it something similar? Is that how these are generated and it's getting transformed into mobility platforms like you guys are working on and it's getting into a business model fulfillment avenues. So what's your take on that?
2: Yeah, so essentially, if you look around, everything around us in some regard is platform. So earlier, say... Like just before digitalization, for instance, our ideas of platforms were same, like shopping malls, for instance, are platforms because a shopping mall does not have like services of its own. It's merely a venue where there are, say, different service providers coming together. So the formalization of platform business model where even it entered the field of like, say, academia, where it was taught as a subject might be relatively new. But the idea of ecosystems itself has been long existing. And generally, if you see our society itself, especially like in an Asian context, we are extremely driven by communities and communities are what drive our economics, our social settings, our family relationships and so much more. So it has always been ecosystems around us. But the formalization in terms of business has been relatively recent. Yeah.
0: So, and where is electrification heading into uh, platform business over here? So, can you give, give us some light because you know electrification and green energy and going uh, going green is the trend right now, and you know Janish has also been working around that. So, uh, can you uh, throw some light
2: on that? Sure, sure. So, um, with electric vehicles specifically, I can say confidently that platform is probably the only way that it's going to go, uh, simply because. The first the ecosystem does not exist as on today so since it's an ecosystem that is being created there is more chances that it will take a platform route rather than a conventional route of say unidirectional value production so what essentially happens is um, with your regular vehicle that is an ICE vehicle made of say fuel or petrol run vehicle there is no requirement for a platform in the sense that your Uh, fuel itself or your source of energy is not smart. Whereas with our case, with an electric vehicle, the battery is a smart product. It's a smart asset. So it's not just a physical component which is in your vehicle. It is a smart digital component, which means there is a value you can extract off that battery beyond the battery as a physical asset itself, which means you need somebody to orchestrate that asset. So when there are so many transactions happening With electric vehicles which is smart vehicle first of all and digitally connected and there is a cloud infrastructure physical infrastructure and your vehicle which is probably also going to be deployed in a as a service model so when there is so many sort of combinations that can be applied to using an electric vehicle and to enable its you know best usage ecosystem method is like the probable only way to go yeah
1: yeah, because, because, uh, again, like everyone talks about it, that it's either a chicken and an egg, egg story because you have enough number of EV cars, then you have the infrastructure building and EV yeah. people are saying that, you know, we need the infrastructure for us to actually build the number of cars. So yeah, I mean, I also agree that it's going to take a while and it's going to transition into that. And that's no other way for us to actually uh, probably it's a mindset change as well as the yeah. time that that might help in us help us in transition. Yeah. Well, um,
0: yeah. I also think it's 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 much of a design problem as well, and you know, like the way how the complete ecosystem has to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, put, thrown into the market, and plus the market adoption, as as you had mentioned. So I know you're also a UI UX designer and by profession as well. Can you throw in some light on uh, how design is very important in terms of platformization, and especially in the EV segment right now?
2: Yeah, sure. So. Um, design plays a very integral role is that there is a concept in uh, ux called i think it's called similarity i'm not sure of the title but i think it's called similarity which basically means that as humans we are in tune to doing actions which are similar to what we have been used to so for example if we see our say um, Laptop design, for instance, your recycle bin will be the design of a trash can, for instance, and your, say, search button will be like your magnifying glass. All of these are design examples which show you that you want it to be similar to your real world scenario or your existing scenario, which is the same case which you will apply to EVs as well carrying forward that in general, I would say design applies to every single field around us, be it EV, be it I mean, even product design, it need to be something traditional, but especially for a new ecosystem, design is super important because you're trying to understand or gauge what a consumer is used to, what are his or her preferences and so on. So say, for example, the battery weight, it's a big like challenge in terms of design. I might want to pack so much of energy in a battery, but I won't be able to do it because physically what my human is capable of, Uh, lifting is maybe say 14 to 15 kilos on a daily basis right so those are design problems where you have to basically understand the consumer to the fullest and see where you know you can incorporate uh user user centric solutions yeah
1: yeah i mean i think there's a lot of design thinking that sort of like is getting imbibed into every aspect and and almost every professional needs to sort of like incorporate that but but tell me this like like we started off like asking you about how your journey started and then we got too excited about electrification and we got into it. So so tell us how like you started from like journalism and, and psychology and then what made you like sort of get into where you are right now. And and we know that, you know, you do a lot of voluntary work and yeah. something that sort of like made me question was that I saw that there was a lot of connection between your voluntary work and, and probably where you are. So yeah. Is that something that sort of triggered you or, or got you to the path of where you are? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, um, for me, actually, life, life goal, if you see, I do want to be in the social space, whether or not it's a, in a social business space or social by itself. So whether it's a social enterprise or I do my work with the NGOs or so on. So I have always sort of wanted to be in, some space of enabling either people or societies or whatever. So that's always been there. But uh, in terms of transition from uh, journalism to electric vehicles, it's a relatively long story. But um, essentially, I wanted to be in communication and um, writing stories which might have an influence, and I still do that. So I still write quite a bit. Uh, so that's where I took up my undergrad. And um, psychology has actually always been a topic of interest to me. And even within psychology, I don't really say focus on human psychology that much, but say things like consumer psychology, industry psychology, um, and elements like that, which might be useful for business as well. And it's coming of use even today for me. Even if you see from a design point of view, UX point of view, and so on. So that's the angle that I like psychology in. And after my undergrad was completed, I knew that I would want to sort of uh, shift into a business path. My, uh, I've always wanted to start a business of my own. So that's where I took up an MBA. And I got placed from uh, college and I entered Bosch and even the role at electrification, if you see, so they wanted somebody with a non-traditional background, right? So they wanted somebody who has an understanding in say psychology, business, like business consumer, um, like experience and so on. So that's where my role sort of fits in. And I see like a... Um, so I've always told us that, like it's um, Elon Musk's line, <laughs> but basically he believes that uh, people need to be um, uh, expert generalists. So that's the word he said uh, he coined. Uh, basically, which entails that you be uh, great at a lot of things rather than just good at one single thing, right? So I feel like I sort of fit in there. And um, with regard to the social element, yeah, it definitely helps that I'm in an electric vehicle space.
1: So, so um, but you've sort of like gone from and, and, and I know that your family's I mean big into Rotary and you've grown up with that and yeah. uh, was that sort of like an influence and and there are lots of like places that you've interned and where you volunteered so so yeah. did that actually like sort of I mean for me see if I was going to go do something that I really like and then I would sort of be like a tester and that would sort of nudge me to go into that Was that like your test or was it just like I needed to go and try things out and then from there it just happened?
2: Yeah, so for me, Rotary has been like the starting point for sure of any social activity. So I think my parents have been in Rotary since I was born. So I sort of born into the Rotary culture itself. And um, I think the main learning out of all of the social service related activities. So I have also like I was the vice president of a significantly good sized organization in Chennai for like, I think, a long time, seven to eight years easily. So... Um, the experiences from that, I was also really young. So it obviously shaped a lot of my thoughts in terms of, uh, being able to contribute back to society and such. So it did shape it for sure. But I think what I learned the most out of all of them, uh, is the need for a sustainable long-term solution. So which was also a downfall in terms of what I did before, right? Uh, earlier there were a lot of these one-off activities that you would do, for instance, say, um, Say, uh, say, for example, say an adoption drive or a, cl- a cleaning drive, beach cleaning drive and so on. So those are all relatively one off activities where obviously there is impact, but it's never going to be as much as you would like to see with an end result, which is going to sustain. So I think that's the main sort of learning that I got from working in the social space with regard to my volunteering. And that's shaped a lot of how I view even business today in terms of, um, there should be like, uh, um, commercial success for sure, but it does not mean that you sort of, uh, be devoid of social impact and social impact, which is sustainable as well. Yeah.
0: So, uh, in terms of like understanding and, you know, getting to where, uh, this has come out of, you know, especially your uh, sustainability and, uh, things you do from a social impact as well. So can you yeah. tell us some, something about how you learn and unlearn and what's your learning habit like? How does your day-to-day learning
2: goes around? Yeah, sure. So um, it has significantly increased for sure in the last, uh, I would say, two years. It has increased a lot because of my job role itself, which um, definitely pushed me towards it because there was this gap which I felt when I came to electromobility simply because also there were only technical folks around me. So there was that time of my life where there was a catch-up to people who are already you know, ahead of me in its regard. So that's how it started that my learning curve sort of steeped. But um, having said that, I've always been sort of interested in uh, knowledge. I've been a very curious person for a large part of my life. And I still try to imbibe it on a daily basis uh, into my life itself. So, for example, these days, at least say, three or four days a week. I spend an hour every day in the morning uh, before my work starts. So I try to go like a little bit early to work and I spend an hour reading not just industry news, which is either way something that sort of floats in your WhatsApp, right? So it's there. So that's either way there. But try to read like allied industries. I think that's also one key um, area where I try to focus. So if, for instance, today I'm in electric vehicles for, say, the commercial segment, then I try to read a little bit more on, say, how the e-commerce segment is growing, how is digitization happening and so on, which therein impacts my electric vehicle sales, for instance. So looking at allied fields has helped me a lot because it also just expands your brain to to look very horizontally and that's uh, one hour a day every day and uh, I try to mix up my content also in the sense that I try to read um, relatively uh, chill articles. Uh, So for example, I follow a, a newsletter subscription called Garbage Day. So it's literally the most obscure things you will find from the internet. So how like this ridiculous, say, TikTok video became popular, what it meant for, you know, that TikTok, say, dancer, for instance. So extreme amounts of content, but extremely sort of weird amounts of content that also sort of keeps you going and intrigued, right? So I like that. And uh, science is something I try to touch upon once in a while. So uh, that's also something I read, yeah.
1: So taking away from, like, garbage, garbage daily, you said? Garbage daily, yeah garbage day do you have a lot of like unusual habits
2: yeah so um i um i live for a lot of quirks for sure so um i my family believes in having collections of things just it's just this habit we've sort of built over time so at my house for instance we have a Uh, skull collection so that was a very weird sort of something that began Uh, for me personally I um, I was really interested in just uh, scents and soaps for the longest part of my life but I knew I could not collect them as a product so I started collecting um, the soap covers and now I have like 60 to 70 soap covers from around the world so that's just something weird And I also collect mobile phones. Just I really like mobile phones. So I have like 30, 40 mobile phones. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. Nothing else weird. Otherwise, rather standard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I probably think that sort of like, um, I mean, like everyone's trying to be like the best person of themselves, but then you also have to have like your own quirks to really like define yourself. Otherwise, you're just going to be like a run of the mill. Yeah, I do this. I do this. This is my and this is what I do and, and whatever so I was asking about your like daily routine or like habits and whatever you have for physical mental like professional person
2: yeah so uh, I don't have a very very strict format but I still like work around this uh, usually at least say uh, four days a week at least I try and follow it um, so I try to exercise for 30 minutes a day at the least. And I um, so that's the physical aspect of it. And then I try and read every day for sure. If not for my one hour dedicated time slot, I still do read every day. And in terms of food habits, I have sort of um, improved a lot in terms of just um, eating healthier. And uh, with regard to mental health as such, the only sort of I also remember, like, say, support systems, etc. So I have, um, I'm very, very conscious of uh, making time for that. So I have a lot of people that I keep sort of going back to every few days, be it my friends or family. So that is something I do very religiously and it comes very naturally to me now but earlier I do remember that I I even had like schedules in my own head to sort of just catch up with friends right so that's it's a really important segment of my life and in terms of just keeping my brain active I try and do um, sudokus every few days it's reduced a little bit for the last few days but um, I try and do sudokus for sure And uh, in order to just keep a check on myself, I have like a whiteboard at my place where I keep tracking my progress on all of these week on week. Yeah, So that's something I do. And uh, I'm uh, critical on on myself for these aspects.
1: I think we we, we sort of all are very critical of ourselves. And and in a way, like, I, I, I feel like we sort of like wanted to reach out to people and make sure that, you know, Everyone sort of knows when we're on the same page, like yeah. you are super critical with yourself, but then when you start talking about you, you realize that, you know, you're actually doing a lot good. So, so, I mean, what, so what do, what, I mean, since you're being so critical on yourself, like what is, what is success to you? Sure.
2: So, um, my, I, I was, I find it really hard to define success like that. But I think the closest I have come to is to try and equate success to some form of impact. It need not be social impact. That's definitely great. If it happens, social impact, well and good. But even my actions, for instance, if I'm talking to my friends, for example, and I want it to be very conscious act that I do in terms of what it means to them. So, that is probably success to me. Is could you just repeat impact? that?
1: This was like you were saying, uh, you were saying like for you wanted to do something for who?
2: So even if it is for my friends, I'm saying success for me in that regard would be to just have a positive impact. And I've, um, I was talking about this to Pranav as well earlier that um, I don't know the exact four um, criteria, but for example, in uh, Rotary, for instance, we have a filter for everything we do as an action. So, for example, uh, is it a good action? Is it necessary to be said or done? Is it going to result in a positive outcome? For example, so these are a like couple of filters that you take for any of the actions or words that you speak in order, to sort of, ensure that you know you um, are leading to an outcome that you do expect and it's a good outcome. So, for me. Success for me closest would be to positive outcome, yeah, positive impact here. It's a little vague, but that's the closest I can come to.
0: No, I I, I get the glimpse of that. So uh, I would like to ask you something regarding, you know, like when it comes to impact and uh, you consider uh, impact with whatever you do to be term successful in your head or in your vision of what success is. So uh, yeah. what about uh, inclusivity and, you know, women uh, empowerment, especially when it comes to the impact you, uh, you you, you know you want your journey to be and especially you know, around your work as well can you uh, go into how women are getting uh, impacted with whatever you do and especially at work as well uh, you know which yeah. uh, so how do you fe- feel about this and you know how uh, how do you go around this so
2: yeah yeah so um, for me inclusivity as a topic for me to even understand further or even search research about just increase my own knowledge base it's been i think two three years since i've started doing that and it's become like a personal task for me to ensure some amount of inclusivity in anywhere i go i try to definitely advocate for um uh, gender equity so it's not gender equality but gender equity at workplace which essentially means to give not the same opportunities but to give fair opportunities so for example like say if three of us are in a room it doesn't matter if everybody got the same opportunity like if I got the same as you because my starting point is very different from your starting point so that's the difference between say equality and equity so what I work towards or what I try to um, help in is gender equity And I think it's extremely sort of essential to focus time and energy. I would say especially more so for men to, you know, understand this topic even further because um, it affects like every facet of your life, not just in terms of your work, which obviously is going to be the case, but also on your personal front. So at work, what I do is uh, now I've started sort of focusing more on, um gender related topics for example like I try to uh, research on how gender and mobility are interlinked. I'm doing a research on that as well along with an external organization looking at uh, how can gender be made um, a conscious forefront in say policy framing and so on for mobility and those are elements that I do take. I mean
1: I I guess you sort of have to be um, hyper aware um, trying to like sort of uh, Put, it, put your point forward at the same time being in an organization. Um yeah. I would also like to, you know, like ask you
0: this, like uh, if you go back in time, what would you tell yourself to 18 uh, year old self about what the future holds for you and what advice would you give to somebody uh, at the same age group right now?
2: Sure. So it's very hard to answer because uh, I think I'm relatively very um I'm very comfortable with myself, at least at this point that I'm at. So I don't, uh, you know, I'm not too uh, conscious of that. But um, I think uh, to uh, where I struggle at, which is what I'd also tell my younger self in that regard is to say no more frequently. I don't think I say no enough. And that's something I've, learned or still learning to do at my workplace so if that's something I can sort of tell myself in advance that you don't have to be some sort of a people pleaser which I see myself as a lot of times right so you don't have to be that and you can sort of um uh, take a stance and you rather take a stance that be in the middle gray area. So I think those two advices are what I give myself, which I struggle with even today. So yeah, maybe that. So I can learn from before and then uh, okay. implement it today. Yeah.
1: All right. On the uh, contrary, on the contrary, like what is like the worst, like, or bad um, advice that you've got?
2: Bad advice that I've got? Yeah. Uh, there remember was this,
1: and, and make sure that you don't give that advice.
2: <laughs> Yeah, there was an incident actually, which I remember well. Um, it was not advice. It was just an incident which made me even more stronger of a feminist or whatever that I am today. Uh, basically, one of my professors uh, questioned my ability to, physic my physical ability to sort of lift products and so on. And he passed a remark which said that like, you know, women are not supposed to do very uh, physically exerting tasks so i remember that very well and that accelerated my want to be more um, out there and more vocal about all of this so that was one of the relatively negative inputs that i've gotten from somebody outside yeah
1: do you do you like being like an underdog
2: not really <laughs> i don't <laughs> I don't think I'm an underdog at all. I'm very I uh so there was this uh once I think very, very too young to have been influenced by such uh narcissistic thoughts. But uh I think in my sixth or seventh grade uh there was this um uh book called Frozen Thoughts. I don't know if you all know Frozen Thoughts, but um, it's this like I think in some regard self-help development personal development sort of book which said um with the title of the article read uh, if you don't blow your own trumpet who will so <laughs> that's that's the path that i have followed unluckily and not the underdog maybe it's good to be <laughs> an underdog though sometimes so i should uh, move uh, towards it
0: great so shruti so uh 30 minutes hustle i've organized a billboard for you out on the out to everybody so And everybody can see what's going to be written out there. So what would you like to tell the world if we give you an empty space of billboard visible for
2: everybody? I think, uh, which I've learned recently too, is to be very consciously choosing happiness. So I think that's what I tell. Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Can you dig, dig into that?
2: So I think as a, I feel like as a generation, we are very prone to focus on the negative. I think it's also, it's a very generational thing for us to be very, one, critical, two, um, I don't know, relatively more focusing on things that might not need as much of our time. And we deliberately sort of put ourselves through situations which are very avoidable, including like all of us do that. I think how normalized, say, overthinking is, how normalized, I don't know, sadness is. I don't think that's okay at all. And as much as it's good to have these conversations around, say, um, like uh, even say how loosely words like, say, depression is sort of thrown around. that's, That's all indications of the fact that, It's good that it's normalized, but it's also not okay for it to be used wrong. And these are also happening simply because like, we've been comfortable with negativity, which I don't think is good. I think we can very well sort of choose to be more happy, positive and so on. So what goes on the banner? Yeah, so, um, it could say, uh, it'll sound cheesy, I think, but, uh, something on the lines of like choosing positivity or choosing happiness rather, not positivity, but your yeah, happiness. Yeah.
1: Be conscious of your happiness.
2: Yeah. Be conscious, be conscious of your happiness. Okay. Yeah. Probably.
1: And, yeah. Uh, That's I, we are of, yeah
0: <laughs> I think we're, I think we're running out of time here, Shruti. And, uh, how can you recommend us some few books which has inspired you or few thought process leaders? that we could also probably get some insights on.
2: Sure. So, um, I don't, uh, books, I wouldn't be the right person. But uh, in terms of thought processes, there are a few which have um, strongly shaped me. So, uh, one is uh, this company, actually. It's called IDEO. It's um, a company of people who are solving design-slash-user problems. So their thought process itself is extremely interesting in terms of how they view the world, how they solve everyday problems. So that's their main work. They solve everyday problems for people. So I think IDEO has helped shape a lot of my thinking. That would be the main. One.
0: All right. So how, how do people reach out to you? So what medium are you quite active on, and uh, how do yeah. how do we get to you?
2: So I know uh, we have special my, access, but okay.
0: Oh, okay so power. before that, I
1: yeah. I I I I mean no no. But before that, I wanna I wanna touch on a couple of things that i'm like i wanted to ask shubhi mm-hmm. but you can just like briefly yeah. touch on it so that like we can know what happens to it once maybe Gosh. the next time when we talk about it so i'm i'm super excited to know about both your like like cool like competitions or like things that you have been like chosen for you i know you've been chosen for discovery team which is like uh, which had like thousand applicants and you were like the only um, asian and the youngest like among like 17 people who <coughs> got chosen and then I want to know about the other like Bangalore mobility challenge that you're doing because I, I I think both are super exciting and yeah. I just wanted to touch on it before we like we let you go
2: sure sure so um thanks Janish so um so in my life I've always entertained myself with a lot of competitions I love giving interviews I think that's where it started from I love getting selected I just get this uh, thrill of it so that's where I started um Discovery, so is a program inside Bosch where uh, it's a three-month incubator sort of program where there are 15 people who are selected who will be cross-collaborating across business units to help and work on an innovation topic for Bosch. So that's starting in April, so hopefully it shall go well and uh, with regard to the other A project that I'm doing currently, it's with an organization called uh, Young Leaders for Active Citizenship, where we are looking at mobility from a city scale to try and solve, um, again, gender-related topics here to make uh, cycling infrastructure more gender-inclusive and uh, to improve non-motorized transport as a whole in Bangalore. So these are two topics that are uh, going on in the parallel, and uh, it keeps me engaged outside of work. So that's
1: good. Nice. That's very interesting. So we're hoping to like like hear more about it once. So I think we should
0: do another episode ultimately on uh, the platform business and your design uh, uh, work. You know, work you do, and especially around urban planning as well. So I think we should do another episode on that exclusively yeah and uh, thank you so much for your time and how do we reach out to you and how can the audience also reach out
2: to you yeah so so um, very smartly i have uh, changed my uh, pen name online <laughs> so uh, i can be reached on shruti adiodi so the R-D-O-D is, uh, adiodi is a d i o d i so if that's like i'm there on instagram twitter and linkedin on the same linkedin prakash. i think is shruti prakash Okay. yeah but there is so we'll be
0: we'll again. be hyperlinking that on our post, and uh, thank you so much, shruti sure. for your time and I know I've been following up with you for a while, and you're quite busy as well. yeah, so really appreciate yeah, this I insightful mean, I conversation I mean,
2: Thank you. Thank you yeah. uh, both for having me, and uh, it's uh, great to see Indian podcasts sort of coming up, so it's really nice. thank you and
0: we are really gonna reflect on on this, and I'm definitely gonna take a lot of learnings from you back home today.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Shruti. Thanks a lot. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to the 30-Minute Hustle podcast. You can follow us on Instagram for all our latest updates. Until next time, signing off. This is Pranab and my co-host, Janish.